Welcome to the weekly sermon podcast for the Wilmington, Ohio Church of Christ. We pray that this message will inspire you and help you grow closer to God in your faith. Be sure to stick around after the message to find out more about how you can take your next best step. Enjoy the message. I don't know where you are today, but we are here to celebrate the good news. And, and you might need good news. I heard about these two Ohio State fans uh, that they just pour over the season all season long. They watch every game during the off season. They look at what, who Ohio State is recruiting and how they're interacting. And they were studying up uh, just for the season that's coming up, spring football. And uh, they, in their conversation, they just decided, you know, there must be football in heaven. But they weren't for sure. So they said, hey, if you die before I do, or if I die before you do, we got to figure out a way to come back and let you know if there's football in heaven. And sure enough, one of them passed away. And it wasn't too long, a couple of weeks later, that his friend heard his voice through that hazy veil, you know, calling. Is that you? Yeah, it's really me. Well, is there football in heaven? And he goes, well, I got good news and bad news. He goes, well, give me the good news first. He goes, yes, there is football in heaven. There's football in heaven. Well, what's the bad news? He goes, well, you know how you've always wanted to play on a really good team, they got you scheduled up here to start next week. You know, good news, good news and bad news. I don't know if you need good news today or not. I just read a list of some bad news. Uh, I just read a list, bad news. Uh, lawlessness in our big cities. Sabotage by politicians and activists of anything good in American culture. Um, high inflation rates, selfishness. I don't know anybody that hasn't been affected by COVID in one way or another. We have a member of our church who, when she was on COVID, she, she had to be put on a vent, and she has PTSD from her stay on a vent, and she's scared to get back around other people because she's worried. She, you know, she still wears a mask wherever she goes because COVID affected her so much. We have people, we've all known somebody who's died from COVID, or we have a family member who's connected to somebody who's died from COVID. Um, I don't know if you need good news or not today, but we are about the good news. The good news is this gospel presentation, and the gospel is what enables us to be able to continue going on. It's what lifts our spirit. In fact, the good news, um, in, in you, if you've heard this, if you've been around church before, uh, gospel is that word that means good news. It comes from this uh, Greek word that uh, is eugelion, You. And oh, excuse me, not that one. You and now I'm misspelling in two languages. Jellion. And so the you here means euphoria or good. And then you can kind of see this word angel in there. Angel is uh, just this term for messenger. So it's good messenger or good message. And we sometimes need that good message to kind of help us get through, especially our low parts. You know, we talk about all those bad things. I mean, you just turn on the news and you see the war in the Ukraine and you know there's bad news out there. So we need the good news and we don't need to counterbalance the bad news. We need to overcome the bad news. That's where the gospel comes in play and that's why we celebrate every Sunday morning. I gotta tell you, if you're just visiting today, Jesus is still risen indeed next Sunday too. We celebrate when we gather together as Christ followers, where we can encourage one another, lift each other's spirits, and give each other the good news. In the passage of Scripture we're going to look at today, it comes from uh, first, excuse me, Second Timothy. It's a letter that Paul wrote to his disciple Timothy, and Paul had some really bad news. He really felt like he was writing from prison. He had been arrested, and he had been arrested because he was telling people the good news about Jesus. And he told Timothy, he said, "I think they're probably going to execute me." 
I don't think I have very much long for this life. And he said, Timothy, I need you to come over here where I'm at and help me. But there was this danger if Timothy did that, because if Timothy came over and helped Paul, then there was this danger that Timothy would also be attacked, persecuted, arrested, maybe even killed as well. And Paul said, you need to hear good news. You need to hear good news that's gonna help you overcome your fear, help you overcome your low parts, and it's what I'm living on while I'm in prison to be able to overcome, and it's the good news of Jesus Christ. And I'm just gonna read one verse out of this letter that he wrote to his disciple, and it was this reminder about how Timothy could continue to endure in faith even when things seemed like they were really bad, bad news all around. And it comes from uh, 2 Timothy chapter 2, Verse eight, I'm just gonna read this one verse, and that's gonna be our verse that we're gonna study today. Remember Jesus Christ, Paul says to Timothy. This is how you're gonna endure. This is how you're gonna endure faithfully. Remember Jesus Christ, raised from the dead, descendant of David, this is my gospel. This is my good news. This is the message that you have to keep reminding yourself, especially when things are going bad. Now, I think there are three gifts here in this message he sent to Timothy that are for us as well. Three gifts that help us to continue to endure. Um, Something sticky for our brain, something salubrious for our body. That's not dirty, it just means healthful. Helpful to our body, healthy for our body. Salubrious for our body. Something substantial for our faith. Something sticky for our brain, something salubrious for our body, and something substantial for our faith. This phrase here, remember Jesus Christ, raised from the dead, descendant, of David. This is my gospel. This good news can help us. First, we need something sticky for our brain. We need something to stick in our minds. We need to train our brain. When we train in karate, we teach our students how to do karate forms because we're trying to build up muscle memory so when they ever have to defend themselves or somebody else, their body responds because their brain has been trained to do those moves. We need to train our brain to think correctly. And Paul says, you need something sticky for your brain. You need something to stick in there. You need to remember Jesus Christ. When things are going bad and you hear bad news, you need to remember Jesus Christ. When you feel low, you need to turn your thoughts toward Jesus Christ. Brother Lawrence was a monk from centuries ago, and he spent all of his days, whether he's working in the kitchen or the garden, he was trying to turn his mind back to thoughts about God. Somebody took up that habit and they said, hey, I'm gonna try to think of God every, for at least one minute every hour of the day. And so they set their alarm on their alarm on their phone for every hour to go off so they would turn their thoughts to God. Then they thought, I wonder if I can think about God every 10 minutes. And they got it so they built up their ability to think about God at one time every minute for the whole day. Can you imagine if you would turn your thoughts to Jesus Christ for all day? Remember Jesus Christ, Paul says. You can remember the name Jesus Christ if you want to. Jesus is this, is this uh, transliteration of his, his name, Yahshua, which means God saves. Christ is not his last name. That is a political title that means Messiah or Holy One. So it, we would call it in the Western culture, King. So it's Yahweh saves. Jesus is King, Jesus King. That's what the name means. And so if you wanted to remember Jesus, you could... You could start with just just the name. But you could also remember maybe his commands. Jesus went to his disciples and he said, repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. He, He told them, follow me. He said, you need to learn how to love as I have loved. So you're gonna love your enemies. It's a command from Jesus to his followers. If you're a follower of Jesus, you need to remember Jesus. You need to remember his commands. He said, love people like I've loved you. 
Love your enemies. Forgive those who attack you. That's, those are hard commands. Take up your cross daily and follow me. That's a command from Jesus. He's telling us we need to look to serve others and not be served. That's a huge command. He said, go make disciples. These are commands of Jesus. If, if you need a distraction from the bad world around you and the bad news around you, and you need a distraction from your stinking thinking, maybe you're feeling low and part of feeling low is your mind is traveling down paths they shouldn't go, so you distract yourself. You distract yourself from that thinking. Well, if you start obeying the commands of Jesus, you'll be distracted from those low, low thoughts and be thinking about Jesus Christ and the thoughts he gives you. Maybe you could think about his life. Remember Jesus Christ. Remember his life. Born in a manger so he could die on the cross and that his name would be lifted above all names. So at the name of Jesus Christ, every knee shall bow and every tongue will confess. You can remember Jesus's birth, his life, how he grew in wisdom, how he welcomed the outcast, how he ate with sinners. Just as a side note, we're gonna start a new sermon series, Meals with Jesus, uh, next Sunday. We're gonna talk about all the places Jesus was eating with people and he was welcoming those people who felt low and outcast. So uh, next week, if you come, come hungry because we wanna feed you with the scripture, especially about what Jesus is doing. You can remember his commands, you can remember his actions, or you can just remember his death and resurrection on the cross. When we start remembering Jesus Christ and his death on the cross, if we would just turn our attention to that, it makes us think correctly about ourselves. I'll give you an example. A friend of mine named Tom came to me uh, last week, and he, he battles depression, and he said, Dale, I'm, I'm having a really low day. He said, I just feel insignificant, you know? I don't really matter. I said, Tom, Jesus loves you so much he died for you. Can you imagine you're loved so much that somebody would die, lay down their life, be a torturous death and die for you? Jesus loves you, Tom. You are so significant that Jesus died for you. And after, after we had worked out together, he came up to me and goes, I, I really need to tell you, I appreciate what you told me. It really did change the way I was thinking. See, when we think about Jesus, we start thinking about ourselves correctly. We can't get too high because when we remember the death of Jesus, we remember he actually died because of our sin. God is planning to pour out wrath on sin and sinners of like. And he said, I've got a cup of wrath. I'm gonna pour it out. And the people are gonna, it's a metaphor. And Jesus in the garden, he prayed, Lord, take this cup from me, but not my will, but your will be done. And then when he went to the cross, he absorbed the wrath that I deserved. He drank it down exhausted God's wrath on the cross. I can't ever think too highly of myself because I know that Jesus died because of me. But I can't ever think too lowly of myself either because I know he died for me. He loved me so much he died for me. He died for you as well. That's how much he loves you. When we start remembering Jesus Christ, we start thinking correctly about ourselves. Trevin Wax uh, just wrote a book not too long ago called Rethink Yourself. And he said our culture has this tendency, and it's a bad tendency, it's this tendency that we look in, then we look out, and then we look up to find our peace and satisfaction. It's a terrible way to do things. Our, there's nobody in here perfect. Everybody in here knows that. You don't even have to be religious to know that. There's nobody in here who makes perfect decisions all the time. And everybody in here, whether you're religious or not, whether you follow Jesus or not, you know that sometimes when you're making an emotional decision, you don't make the correct decision. And yet this way our culture 
makes us think is we need to look in first to decide our identity, our actions, our emotion, all this stuff, and then we look out. Trevin Wex said this is how our uh, culture works. We look outward to find people who will just encourage us in our bad thinking. We'll look for somebody who will agree with us. And yeah, they'll say, keep going down that path, even if it's a path of death. In fact, the culture says, if you disagree with somebody who's on their journey, then you're repressing them. So even if they're heading toward death, you're supposed to agree with them. Keep going toward death. And then finally, they look up. And what they do is they paint it with this like heavenly picture, God bless the actions I'm taking. And so they sound religious, but really they're leading themselves to death. And Trevin Wax said, we need to rethink ourselves. We need to look up first. We need to hear what Jesus says about us. We need to hear what God says about us. God says that every one of us has fallen short of his glory. We're all sinners, but he also loves us. He accepts us from where we are, but he doesn't wanna leave us there, and he wants to grow us into maturity, and he wants to build up our character to look like Jesus Christ. So we're supposed to look up first, and then we look out to share this good news about what Jesus is doing inside of us and through us and in us, and then finally we look in to start aligning our will and our thoughts and our actions and our words with the words of Christ. The order should be look up, then tell out, then in. And Paul knew this, inspired by the Holy Spirit, writing 2,000 years ago to his disciple Timothy who said, I don't know, Paul, I don't know if I wanna come over there with you. He said, remember Jesus Christ. Start there. Now, if we can get that stuck in our brain that we turn to Christ when our, we start having stinking thinking, it will begin to help us endure faithfully through the low, the low parts. It won't solve everything, but it'll help you endure. Paul didn't get out of prison because he remembered Jesus. He didn't, it didn't stop him from being executed because he remembered Jesus, but it helped him endure faithfully. Second, we need something healthful, healthy for our bodies. Salubrious is the word, because I was looking for an S, something sticky for our brain, something salubrious for our body. It's so healthy for our bodies to remember Jesus was raised from the dead. Remember Jesus Christ raised from the dead, Paul says. This is so important because when we remember Jesus was raised from the dead, we remember what it was like for him. When he came out of the tomb and Mary went to grab him, she hugged him. He had a body she could hug and touch and feel. When he met with his disciples and they thought he was a ghost, they were scared. Ah, it's a ghost. He said, I'm not a ghost. Look, and he took food and he ate it. He had a body that could actually eat food. He had a body they could see, they could touch, they could feel, they could hug, he could eat food with them. And in 1 John chapter three, it says, when we see him face to face, we will be made to be like him. When we are resurrected from the dead, we will receive bodies. Bodies built for eternity. Bodies that do not wear out, bodies that do not break, bodies that do not have pain, bodies that do not suffer, but bodies that have eternal joy, but they'll be real bodies. Jesus was in a physical, real body built for eternity, and we will be made to be like him. When we remember this, when we remember Jesus Christ raised from the dead, when we start thinking about his resurrected body, it changes things for us. It changes the way we act now. This is not the end. This world is not our end destination. These bodies that we have to endure now are not the bodies that we will have for eternity, but they'll be our bodies for eternity will be like these bodies. 
My parents got to come up and visit today. I'm so glad. But I know my mom still misses her dad who passed away several years ago, my grandpa. The day he passed, they passed at his home and they took his body to the hospital. And then the family followed afterwards. And you know, in that haze of of mourning, initial mourning and initial shock, you know, your mind doesn't always think right. And they walked into the emergency room and there was my grandpa sitting up in a wheelchair at the emergency room desk. He had been dead. It blew their mind and it wasn't until they got closer, they were such in shock, it wasn't until they got closer that they realized it was a man who just looked like my grandpa. So it was like reliving devastation all over again. But what if there was a way to bring him back from the dead? My grandpa who played the piano by ear. My grandpa who knitted knitted clothing for premature babies. My grandpa who made puppets for youth ministry. My grandpa where I saw my first magic trick, gospel magic trick. My grandpa who I later found out was a warrior in World War II. Like killed people warrior. What was it? What if there's a way to bring him back? Well, there is. The resurrection of Jesus proves it. Jesus is the first fruits of the resurrection. He's our down payment for our own resurrected bodies. We will be resurrected from the dead. When Jesus comes back, if we don't die before, we'll go up into heaven, into the air to meet him, and then we'll come back down with him to live on the new earth and the new heaven with bodies you can feel and touch and eat with. Can you imagine the food in heaven? Can you imagine the meal with your family member that's already passed? Paul says to Timothy, remember Jesus Christ raised from the dead. There's no reason to fear the death that you might have because there is a resurrection from the dead. So Paul says, be faithful, faithfully endure. Come help me. You be strong and you put your faith in Jesus Christ. You remember him and you remember he's raised from the dead. This is salubrious for our bodies. We need something substantial for our faith as well. Paul says, remember Jesus Christ, raised from the dead, descendant of David. This was the one I struggled with the most. Why is the descendant of David important to me? King David was the king of Israel, and if you were Jewish, you loved having the king that was a good king, a man after God's own heart. You loved a king that was winning battles for you, and David was promised that there'd be someone along his line, his ancestry, someone down the line who would sit on his throne and rule forever. But I'm not Jewish. Why does it matter if Jesus is a descendant of David. But remember, Paul says this is good news. And it's not just good news for him and Timothy. It's good news for us as well. There's two reasons why being a descendant of David is good news for me, why it's important for me now. One is, it is a fulfillment of prophecy. This is really cool. Uh, A king is gonna rule forever. And when Jesus came to earth, born in a manger, died on a cross, and raised from the dead, his name is lifted above all other names. He is the good king we are looking for, the good king that we actually need. Now, when I first started thinking about this, I thought, I don't actually want a king. I kind of want to do my own thing. But don't we realize we all need a good and perfect king to give us good and righteous instructions for our lives? Don't we want a king to bring about peace for the world, the good and perfect king Don't we want a king that would give good instructions for peace, bring peace to the world, and bring justice for those who deserve to be punished for terrible deeds? This is our good and perfect king. 
And Jesus says his kingdom has started already. He told us to pray, your will be done on earth just like it is in heaven. We get to participate in bringing about God's kingdom of peace, God's kingdom of the resurrection from the dead, God's kingdom in part, but really substantial now because he is already king and ruling over all the heaven and the earth. And some say, well, if he's ruling, why are things so bad? Because he's patient. Jesus, when he came, he came first with nails, not a sword. Came with nails in his hand, not a sword in his hand. He came with peace when he came the first time so that those who believe in him would be saved. But the next time he comes, he's coming with a sword and he is gonna wipe out all injustice and he is gonna turn over the people who have done bad deeds to be punished for eternity. If you sin against an eternal, infinite God, you deserve an eternal, infinite punishment. It's called hell. It's a real place. When Jesus comes back the second time, it's going to be with a sword. And if you're not with him, you will be without him. And that's a dangerous place to be. It's a dangerous place to be now, but it's going to be really dangerous when he comes back. But he's already started. He said, you and me, we get to participate in the kingdom. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Make God's name hallowed wherever we go. And wherever we go and we love people and we give grace and we offer forgiveness and we speak the truth in love, we're bringing about the kingdom of heaven on earth. We're bringing about God's will on earth just like it is in heaven. That's why we're doing a Be the Match cheek swab in May because we wanna help out Jack's. We want the compassion given to us spread out to other people. That's why our, our mission team is going to Mexico to build that home. We don't know that family we're gonna go build a home for. We just know that God loves them and he's told us to love others. That's why we visit each other, encourage each other, lift each other up, carry each other's burdens because we're carrying the love of the king who has commanded us to do these things wherever we go. This is why we make disciples. Our elders have this dream that we would have a disciple in every home in three to five years, but it's gonna take the kingdom of God working out through his church, his people, to make it happen. Make disciples is one of the commands of Jesus. If he's king, we obey him, and we want that. We need that. Deep down, we know we need it. Second reason the descendant of David is good for us is because that means Jesus is human. We need a human sacrifice to go in our place. God, for a long time, let animal sacrifice, but the blood of animals, be, but it was a temporary arrangement. We needed a human to stand in our place. Remember that cup of wrath God is gonna pour out? He pours it out on sin and sinners alike. So Jesus, being fully God, incarnate, becomes also fully human. He can stand in our place. He became just like us. Jesus became just like us. He was tempted just like us in every type of temptation. He endured despair and loneliness and sorrow and pain and even death. He's the one that can stand in our place. He's the one that can bleed for us. It requires blood to cover over sin. And Jesus, because he's human, because he's a descendant of David, can stand in our place. He can be in our place as a sacrificial substitute. So we don't get the wrath of God on sin. Jesus takes the wrath of God for sin in our place. Only a human can do that. Being a descendant of David is really good news for me. It's really good news for you. Because we need somebody to be our substitute. Not only did Jesus substitute in our place, but on his resurrection, because 
of his substitutional atoning death. We are given forgiveness. God declares us not guilty. We are given a new life. He allows us to start living and changing and, and drawing on the Spirit of Christ, the Holy Spirit, to change us from the inside out. All because we remember Jesus Christ, raised from the dead, descendant of David. This is our king. This is our king. And now we get to respond. We get to make this response where we respond to him in faith. We don't see him uh, face to face until he comes back, so we see him by faith. We trust these eyewitness reports that happened that he really did rise from the dead, that he is really alive today. And we obey him and we love him all through faith. Listen, I, I don't know where you're at today and I don't know where you're at emotionally, but rainy season makes us down. Life makes us down and there's a lot of bad news. We need the good news to overcome all that bad news so we can faithfully and continually faithfully endure. The good news won't necessarily take you out of where you're at. It won't take you out of the bad thing you're going through, but it can give you strength to endure. If you remember Jesus, have that stick in your brain. Jesus helps you think correctly about yourself. You remember that you're gonna get a new body. There is nothing on this earth. The death is the worst thing that could happen to you, but it, it just puts you into face-to-face -face with Jesus, new body. That's not the worst thing that could happen to you. And it's, it's continually substantial for our faith to remember that Jesus died in our place because he was human, descendant of David, and he still rules because he's still alive forever. He still rules as king. Now we have a, a response. We're supposed to go share this good news with as many people as we can. We need to look for places to share this good news. And I, I don't know if you know how to share the good news. So what I wanna do is I wanna give you maybe a way to share the good news that could be impactful for somebody else. Uh, uh, one of my teachers, Dr. Gary Johnson, he said this was the way the good news was shared with him years ago. And that day, after hearing the good news of Jesus Christ, he submitted his life, he committed his life to the Lord. He gave his entire person to Jesus Christ because Jesus Christ, he realized, had risen from the dead and wanted to save him. Here's, here's how it works if you're gonna do this for someone else. Uh, we, we start with six circles, one at 12 o'clock and one at six o'clock, two and four, and because I use digital, I don't know what these are. There is a real heaven and a real hell. These are real places. One of these places we will spend eternity in. This is a good way to tell the gospel if you want to start here. Remember, we get a new body. And this new body can feel, can eat, this new body is gonna be a physical body built for eternity. That means you can have eternal joy or eternal fire. You will feel that fire. There's the real places. The scripture says, when we are born into this life, if we were to die, we would go directly to heaven. Hell is a place built to punish people for their sins and rebellion against God. Babies don't rebel against God. We know this from Deuteronomy where it says, as they were going into the promised land, where it said, uh, you're not gonna go in the promised land because of your rebellion of God, but your children who did not know right from wrong, they will be able to go into the promised land. 
We know this from King David when his son died. He said, I'm gonna go to be with him. He's not gonna come to be with me. There is a real heaven. Babies go there when they die. But a lot of us, as we're explaining this, will live and continue to live, and what we'll do is we'll reach an age of accountability. This is where you do know right from wrong. This is where you can make a decision to actually submit to Christ or reject him. And some people live in this age of accountability for a long time, and it's a dangerous place to be. It's an urgent call to submit your life to Christ because if you live in rejection of Jesus and you die, you will go to hell. This is a real place for people who reject Christ. There is only one way into heaven. There's only one way to the Father, and that is through Jesus Christ. He is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through him. This is dangerous, and this is bad news. This is bad news. So we need the good news, the gospel. We need you and Jelion to come in and help us. And the gospel is God so loved the world that he gave his only one and only son that whoever believes in him shall never perish but have eternal life. The good news is Jesus Christ, remember him. He was raised from the dead. He died in your place. He's a descendant of David. We need to remember him. And the scripture says we need to believe, we need to repent, we need to confess, we need to be baptized, and we need to commit to Christ. If you believe with your heart and confess with your mouth, you will be saved. That's what Romans chapter 10 says. In Acts chapter two, we're told we need to repent of our sins and be baptized. When all the people were gathered around Peter and he was telling them about Christ and how they had killed him, they said, what do we need to do? They believed already. They were confessing with their mouth, we wanna do something. Peter said, you need to repent and be baptized, every one of you, for the remission of sins and the gift of the Holy Spirit. And this is not just for you, it's for all who call on the name of the Lord, for all of your descendants who are far off. He's talking about us. If you believe with your heart, confess with your mouth, you will be saved, Romans 10. Repent and be baptized for the forgiveness of sins and the gift of the Holy Spirit. And we need to commit to Christ. We need to make him our not only our Savior, but our Lord. Revelation says, if you endure faithfully all the way till death, that's when you get the crown of life. This is the journey that we go on, that we look up first to find out what God wants us to do and who he wants us to become. This is the good news that overcomes the bad news that there is a hell built for sinners, built for us who have sinned. When you commit to Christ this way, you become part of the church. And a lot of people think the church is this building that we come and meet in, but that is not the church. Jesus says the church is people. 50% of Christians on a survey done last year don't know that we are commanded by God to gather together as the church. And people on this journey who say that they believe in Jesus, but they don't obey the commands of Jesus, we get to realistically question whether they are actually followers of Jesus. Because remember, even demons believe, but demons don't obey. Demons don't follow. There's a lot of people who have this false sense of security that they think they are Christians and they have no idea who Jesus is, and they have no idea what the commands of Jesus are, and they are outside of faith, but they think they're in. As Christ followers, when we gather together, we encourage each other, we teach each other, we hold each other accountable to stay committed to Christ, 
We lift each other up, and when we get low, we're reminding each other of the good news so that we can endure faithfully. And we do that when we gather. And then there's this scary bad news part down here called apostasy. That's when you reject your belief. You turn from your belief. Paul says in the, in the end times, people will reject the faith. They will turn away from God and uh, be absorbed by things taught by demons. If you reject Christ and you die, you will end up in hell. If you're part of the committed believers of Jesus Christ, you will end up in heaven if you die. And we have this responsibility if we're committed to Jesus to help one another. Where are you on this journey? Like when you look up and you hear from God and he says, here is your journey that you need to be on to be committed to Christ, where are you? Do you believe, but you've never repented, confessed, or been baptized? Well, what's holding you back? Do you say you're a believer, but you don't follow any of the commands of Jesus and you're not even concerned about having a relationship with him? Well, what's holding you back? What's stopping you? A lot of times what's stopping us is I wanna be king of my own life, but Jesus Christ, raised from the dead, descendant of David, is our actual king, and we need to make him Lord of our life, not just Savior. Where are you on this? In the first hour, we had a couple come forward at our invitation at the end of service, and they said, hey, we're on this scale, but we need to repent. We need our faith renewed. We have been rejecting what Jesus has done for us, and we just want you to pray for us. We prayed for them. When we confess our sins, God is faithful and just and will forgive your sins, make you whole, make you new. And then we have this responsibility. See, the church has this responsibility to come down here and protect people from hell. Jesus says his church, the gates of hell, will not be able to stand against his church. Do you know why? Because we have the good news. And as we share this good news with others, we keep people from falling into hell. I invited my best atheist friend to come to church today and then go to dinner with my family and me after church. He, re he declined the invitation. But I keep telling the good news. I keep revealing the good news because I don't want him to go to hell. And I keep praying for him. And that's our job if we're on this journey is to, one of the things is to make disciples, keep people from going to hell. We gotta be committed. And some people, it's just a testimony. They get this good news. It's like Tony J, who she said, this is the greatest prayer experience in my life. That's a testimony that helps somebody overcome the bad and continue on with the good news. But maybe the good news that we need to share is how to come to Christ. We need to tell God's story. Where are you on this? This is our goal right here, to be on the journey of faith where we're helping to build each other up and mature each other's faith as we prevent people from going to hell just by giving them the good news. In Revelation 12, 11, the scripture says, we overcome Satan by the blood of the lamb. That's remember Jesus raised from the dead descendant of David and the word of our testimony. And we're willing to die for Jesus. This was the encouragement Paul sent to Timothy. Come over and help me. You might be attacked too, but don't worry, have faith. Remember Jesus raised from the dead, descendant of David. 
You know, the baptism is this great picture of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I teach the kids this sometimes in our karate class. I have them raise their arm and I say, raise your arm, Jesus is alive. And they say, Jesus is alive. I say, he died and they lower your arm. They die. He died, they say, repeat back. And he was raised to life again. And that is a picture of what happens to you when you're baptized. Not something that you do. It's not a work you do to earn salvation. It's something done to you. Somebody lowers you into the water and raises you again to faith. If you've never been baptized, I wanna encourage you today, be baptized. Our water is heated and ready. We have a baptism team that will give you clothing to wear so you can go home dry in your own clothes. But I don't want you to miss this opportunity if you've never taken that step of faith. We hope you have enjoyed this message. If you need someone to pray with you, talk to, or maybe you just want more information about our church, be sure to fill out a Connect card so we can reach out and help you take your next best step. Thanks again for joining, and we will see you back here next time.